Hey guys, thank you for checking out A Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole, a podcast where I ferret through my vinyl collection of about 500 records and my ever-diminishing brain of about 500 remaining brain cells, and I take a light-hearted, laid-back, positive fanboy's look at my favourite songs and bits of songs and artists that fall within a different, pointless set theme every episode. I choose from any song part or artist that has given me joy as a listener or a slight Norwegian wood as a musician. This is just a bit of chilled, unnecessary fun and a warning that there's low-level humour, high-level swearing and hopefully medium-level entertainment for your ear holes. As a lot of people do like to share their opinions these days, please let me know if you think that I've missed something in my record collection that I know and that I like by sending me an email at recyclebin at a rock and roll rabbit hole podcast forward slash go fecky good self cockgoblin.com and I'll get back to you. But seriously, if you do want to say hi, you can hit me up and follow the podcast on Instagram, a rock and roll rabbit hole podcast, and you can check out the website, a rock and roll rabbit hole.com. There's a bunch of good stuff over there. Please rate, review, subscribe, share, all that sort of shit if you're digging the podcast. Thanks again. Apologies in advance. And here goes. Thanks heaps for listening. My childish brain couldn't let episode 69 pass by without some sort of filth. So here's a quick episode about songs that sing about or allude to oral sex. If you guys are really us, what number are we thinking of? 69, dudes! <gasps> Episode 69, Oral Sex. Second floor, hardware, children's wear, ladies' lingerie. Oh, good morning, Mr. Tyler. Going down? <laughs> Let's start with a song written by Tim and Neil Finn from Crowded House's Woodface album, and it was the first single, and I reckon this line is definitely oral sex related. Crew songs jumped into my mind. One is obvious with this in the intro.
She Goes Down, and the second Motley Crue song I thought of is Tonight We Need a Lover. And it has the subtle line, Slide down my knees, taste my sword. Filth. Decades now, Brian Adams has cemented his place in rock and roll history with hits like Summer of 69, Straight from the Heart, Run to You, the list goes on and on. Earlier this year, Brian released his 11th studio album, appropriately titled Eleven, and Brian Adams is here this morning. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, how are you? Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you all for getting up early. I'm all out of bed. Appreciate it. 30 years making music, touring. What keeps you going, Brian? Music. I love music, and uh, you know we like touring, and it's always interesting because new songs happen all the time, and so when they happen, it's time to go back in the studio, and then a new album happens, like this one this year. Eleven. Yeah. It still sounds just like the early stuff. It's still well, a classic it's Brian Adams. <laughs> yeah. It's wonderful Thank you. stuff. Yeah, we spent the whole summer here in America touring, and um, we're, we're going to continue to tour probably up until the springtime here. I want to ask you about Summer of 69. Sure. Is it biographical? Is it Well, the song actually, a lot of people think it's about the year, but actually it's more about, a, it's more about making love in the summertime. It's, it's used in 69 as, as a sexual reference. Ah, okay. Didn't know it's, that. It's morning. I can talk about it, right? <laughs> you can. Everybody's having breakfast, but okay. that's all right. like, Smith's Love in an Elevator clearly tackles our episode topic. And this line. Is often sung way more naughtily live. Going 
year's biggest controversies when she tried to join the Pepsi generation. In 1989, Madonna signed a multi-million dollar contract with Pepsi, who agreed to debut her new single, Like a Prayer, on a Pepsi commercial. One day after the commercial premiered, Madonna released a video for the song. It's one of the heaviest videos she's ever done in terms of the subject matter she's playing with. With the burning crosses and the bleeding palms and the black Jesus-like figure, the video itself was enough to, to shock a lot of people. It dealt with a lot of taboos, and it made people afraid. The video was denounced by religious groups as blasphemous. She took on a subject that people at the very least think should be respected, even if they don't believe in it. That's where she got herself in trouble, and she got herself in trouble with her sponsors as well. Madonna's corporate marriage to Pepsi is proving as stormy as her real-life marriage to Sean Penn. I knew right away that people were not going to be able to separate the commercial and the song from the video in the song. Christian groups threatened to boycott Pepsi and put pressure on the company to stop running the ads. Pepsi ran the commercial only twice and officially pulled it off the air a month after its debut. Pepsi acted in the best interest of their business and pulled the plug. But the uproar didn't quiet Madonna. Like a Prayer spent three weeks at number one, and Madonna got to keep close to $5 million from the Pepsi deal. So much religion talk, but this line is clearly oral sex yuckiness. This Prince song, titled Head, leaves no jizz unturned. Australian Lou Reed interview from 1974. You said a little while ago that you sing mainly about drugs, is that right? Sometimes. Why do you do this? Because I think the government's plotting against me. Why do you say that? (laughs) You like singing about drugs, is this because you like taking drugs yourself? No, it's um, because I can't carry when I go through customs, I figure somebody in the audience. Were you searched by our customs men for drugs? Oh, no, because I don't take any. No drugs at all? Mm-mm. And yet you sing about them. I'm high on life. Do you want people to take drugs themselves? Is this perhaps why you sing about drugs? Oh, yeah, I want them to take drugs. Why is this? Because it's better than Monopoly. <laughs> why do you think your music is so popular, though? I didn't know it was popular. You've had two sellouts in Sydney before you've even come here. So it is popular, apparently. I didn't know that. 
Lou, do you think it's a decadent society we're living in? No. Would you describe yourself as a decadent person? No. How would you describe yourself? Average. It said, it said in your release that we were given this morning that you like lying to the press. Uh, why is this and are you doing it now? I didn't say that. The release did. Is it true? No. Is your antisocial behaviour just part of your show business gimmick? <laughs> antisocial behaviour? What's that? You seem very withdrawn. Introverted, you mean? Lee, you're a man of few words. Why is this? I don't have anything to say. Do you like meeting people, talking to people? Some. Do you like talking to us? I don't know you. Do you like press interviews in general? No. You shun publicity? No. You tend to keep to yourself? No. Why are you attending this one, Lou? They told me to come in here. Is this just part of showbiz, is it? Necessary. I didn't. I'm not in show business. You're not in the entertainment game. The entertainment game? No. Do you do everything people tell you to? Sometimes. What message is it that you're trying to get across? I don't have one. Most singers do. They usually sing about something and have some kind of way of getting through to the people. Like who? Well, most singers. <laughs> like who? Would it be right to call your music gutter rock? Gutter rock? Gutter rock. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> it's been called be underground rock and roll. Lou. What do you think about him now? Are you still friends with him? Oh, yeah. Has he been very important in your life? Did he make a big difference to you? Oh, he was everything. Still is. Lou, you sing a lot about uh, transvestites and sadomasochism. Um, how would you describe yourself in the light of these songs? I don't know, what does that have to do with me? Well, could I put it bluntly, and pardon the question, are you a transvestite or a homosexual? Sometimes. Which one? I don't know. What's the difference? Why do you like being... Uh, why do you like describing yourself uh, as this? Why do you think you fit into this type of person? It's something to do. Is life so boring for you, then? No. What do, you, what do you like most in life? Everything. Is there any things you like better than others? No. Where do you spend your money? On drugs. On drugs. For other people? Right. It's been said that in your early days you were quite a wild performer. That, uh, is it true, for instance, that you attacked your fans in England and were arrested for obscenity on stage? No. This is, again, false publicity. Well, who writes these things about you, if, I, if they're not true? Journalists. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, is this perhaps why you don't like journalists? Oh, I love journalists. And Walk on the Wild Side mentions Head too. Candy came from out on the island In the back room she was everybody's darling but she never lost her head Even when she was given head She says, hey babe Take a walk on the wild side Said, hey babe Take a walk on the wild side And the colored girls go Do 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 do
That's Monty Python's oral classic and another comedic song that has probably my favourite oral line in it is Kevin Bloody Wilson's Kev's Courting Song, Do You Fuck On First Dates. And here's his great oral line. So me face will be leaving in quarter of an hour I'd like you to be on it When you first meet a Sheila And the bullshit you gotta go through Like calling her up And telling her you love her When all that you'd love is just a screw But she wants to hold hands And you to meet her old man And sit around for hours and talk But me new method is You just cut through the shit And get down to the goodies straight off Do you fuck on first dates? Does your dad own a brewery? Could I feel your tits? Or would you show them to me? Do you sleep in the nick? Do you give it very often? If we can decide your place or mine, we can fuck off then. While we're in the funny zone, the Bloodhound gang have the very excellent. Kiss me where it smells funny. As more and more acts scored commercial success with power ballads, pressure from the labels intensified. The formula was simple. Metal bands were selling big and selling out. I hate that song. I had no intention of writing that song. The record was done. The record was called Uncle Tom's Cabin. And Donnie Einer called up and said, I don't hear the single. You got to give me a single like Love in an Elevator. I need something like that. So that night I wrote Cherry Pie, sent it to him. He lived with it over the weekend. And all of a sudden, the album's called Cherry Pie. The record's called Cherry Pie. I'm doing Cherry Pie eating contests. The single's Cherry Pie, right? If I'm lying, I'm dying. And my legacy's cherry pie. Everything about me is cherry pie. I'm a cherry pie guy. 
I could shoot myself in the head for writing that song. Danny Lane didn't shoot himself. He actually died of alcohol poisoning. What what room number is the patient in? Um, room 118. Okay, room 118. So are you there? No, I'm okay. calling at the lobby. I work at the front desk. Okay, so what's the problem there? Tell me exactly what happened. Okay, well, the housekeeping, when they're about to clean the room, uh-huh. uh, well, they knocked the room, like, for three times, and then he didn't open the door, and then finally opened. Okay. One of the housekeeping, you know, like, they he checked the guy, like, maybe he's dead because um, okay. and his so eyes... how old, do you know about how old, approximate age, the patient is? Maybe, like, 50s. Okay, male or female? Male. And so do you, do you know if they're conscious? You don't know or? No, because they just, you know, when we opened the door, mm-hmm. they didn't go like closer, you know, we, they didn't. Did you guys, or, so you guys don't know what's going on there? No, because the guy. Do you have a like, defibrillator? Uh, Shock no. box for the heart. Do you guys have one? No. Okay. No? Uh, paramedics are on the way, okay? Just stay on the line, tell exactly what to do next. Does anybody there know CPR and first aid? Um... I know. Is there any way you can transfer me to the room? Is there anyone there that's willing to go into the room and see if we can maybe do CPR? Or do you think that the patient's already passed away? I think passed away because when they checked, the guy, like, his eyes is open in the mouth and, and it's not was, reading. Was there an odor or was he stiff? I mean... The guy yeah. in the room? Yeah. Older. No, was there an odor? Did it smell? No, they didn't like really go inside. So maybe okay. housekeeping thinks that he's dead. Okay, we'll tell you what, ma'am. If, if somebody is willing to go in there and just to go check it out and then uh, give us a call, okay? We, we are on our way. I mean, you don't have to, but you know, it, it just if this person needs help, we need to do CPR. It'd be nice to at least know if, he, if we can help him. You know what I mean? If not, then if he's passed away, well, then there's nothing else we can do. So I'm, you I'm, want us? to go in the room and... What's up to you, ma'am? Are you, are, is somebody there willing to go in the room or... I could ask our maintenance to maybe like touch him or... Uh, is he willing to do it? Is he willing to go in there and... I'll ask him now. I mean, I can't force him to do it, but I'm, I'm asking if he's willing to do it. Uh, I'll ask him. <laughs> okay, I'll be right here. Okay, hold on, because sure. the other phone is going crazy when I call 911. I can't stop it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is there any way to transfer me to, to that room? 118, will somebody answer? No, we try. Okay. Well, um, well then, well, help's already on the way, okay? Okay. Okay, uh, so, so are you going to ask to see if he'll go in there? Yes, I'm going to call another line. Hold on, okay? Okay, I'll be right here. Hello? Um, no, nobody wants to do okay, it. Okay, well, that's fine then, ma'am. Help's on the way, okay? Oh, okay. We're on our way. You want me to wait? I mean, or... Well, no, we're on our way, okay? We can hang up. Just, we're on our way. Okay? okay if we thanks. can help you with anything else, call us back, okay? Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Speaking of poison, their song, Love on the Rocks, is definitely an oral song. Check out this filth. Taste my love, why don't you swallow this? Uh-huh. Love on the rocks 
has her famous female film, Throat Filling, Frothing, Filating Filth. Now, your voice is so unusual, your delivery. I mean, now there's a lot of people I sense who imitate your style. But back when you were looking for a record deal, Mm. I I bet you got rejected a lot. I got rejected all the time. You did? I sent a lot of songs out. There was... I think there were about 10 songs that I had that weren't on Jagged Little Pill that I just wrote. I call them the interim songs, yeah. the, the getting the whistle wet songs. Right. And then I started writing, I think, Perfect and You Ought to Know. And I sent those both of those out to a few people who were not interested. Hey, you've answered this question a million times, but we have to get to the bottom of it. You wrote that song about Dave Coulier from Full House? People talk about who that song's about, and they will continue to, and I never, I never confirm or affirm who it's about, and I never will. You're kidding me. Well, I say never, and I sh- really shouldn't say never, because I may very well one day do it, but... You've I, never revealed... How did his name even come up? Do you know that guy? You dated him. Yeah, I did date you, him. You dated him. Yes, I did. Aha! So, when did Dave Coulier, when did you start dating him? I was 19. 19. I was singing at an all-star hockey game. I was doing the national anthem, and he was playing. Ah. And you were that worked up about him that you'd write a song? I feel it is about him. You know who told me? Who Who? told you? Stamos. John Stamos told me. Yeah, he told Ah. me that, too. Ah. The thing is, there was no one in the studio when I wrote that song, so no one actually knows. And not that I'm just doing it gratuitously for the sake of mystery, but I didn't write it with the intention of recriminating him. So you got like like all these people looking at you a certain way, whether it's, you know, Ghostbusters or Full House or any of this stuff, and you're a dad and you're doing all this stuff, and then these Alanis Morissette rumors start rearing their ugly head. Are you going like, I really, I don't need this out there right now, or are you like, yeah, this is, it is what it is? It was what it was. Yeah. You know, we dated and she was writing all of that jagged little pill stuff during that time. And, and I never saw this, you know, angry white girl thing that she's, you know, that people have kind of coined her as. I never saw that. She was funny. She was sweet. She was super intelligent, super talented. Um, so I never, I never saw that. But when people would, you know, that was 95 when jagged little pill came out. And uh, I started, here's the story. I'm driving in Detroit and I've got my radio on and I hear the hook for You Ought to Know, come on the radio. And I'm like, wow, this is a really cool hook. And then I start hearing the voice. I'm like, wow, this girl can sing. And I had no idea, you know, that, that this was the record. And hey, I uh, gave someone a cross. And then I, <laughs> and then I was like... <laughs> Uh, I'm listening to the lyrics going, ooh, oh, no. Oh, I can't be this guy. And I went to the record store, bought the CD, and I went and I parked on a street and I listened to the whole record. And there was a lot of familiar stuff in there that her and I had talked about, like your your shake is like a fish. You know, I'd go, hey, dead fish me, you know, and we'd do this dead fish handshake. And, and so I started listening to it and I thought, ooh, I think I may have really hurt this woman. And that was my first thought. And so years later, we reconnected and uh, she couldn't have been sweeter. And I said, what do you want me to say when people ask me about this relationship? And she said, you can say whatever you want. So she was really sweet about it. She was kind. Um, 
I'll tell you the kind of person she is. When my sister Sharon was dying with cancer, Alanis was living in Toronto. My sister was in Detroit. She actually drove to Detroit with her guitar and sat with my sister playing songs and singing to my sister in the hospital. Wow. That's, that's the kind of human being she is. Yeah. So I've never had anything bad to say about her. She's lovely. Yeah. What uh, Now, when you were in that theater that she references, what okay. movie were you watching? <laughs> you know, you Be aggressive is a tonsil tickling, toffee tasting tale. Spelling out those words gives me an idea for a future episode. I might take a look into that. Finishes fast with a fabulously fun, fellating finale. Take that one to heart. favorite Melbourne 90s bands who I've banged on a bit in the podcast Horsehead have a song off their debut self-titled album called Sun in which the guitarist Cameron McKenzie sings this filth which is clearly an oral sex reference
Children, I'm glad you're here. I want you to check out my new confectionaries. I think they're going to sell right through the roof. I call them Chef's Salted Chocolate Balls. Are they good? Try them. Hey, these are good. Yeah, I love your salted chocolate balls, Chef. <laughs> Say, everybody ever seen my balls? They're big and salty and brown. If you ever need a quick pick me up, just stick my balls in your mouth. Suck on my chocolate salty balls. Put them in your mouth. Put them in your mouth and suck them and suck. That's enough of that. So I've got to squeeze a Beatles song in your mouth somehow, and surely the line, please please me, like I please you, has to be an oral line. Anyway, if it's not too late, it's in. Deep. It was quite normal in those days to find material for artists by going to Tin Pan Alley and listening to all the publishers' wares. I mean, that was a regular part of my life. I spent a long time looking for songs. And the songs I was looking for for the Beatles was really a hit song. It didn't matter, so long as it suited their, their group. And um, Love Me Do, as I say, was the best one they were able to offer. The kind of song I was looking for, I did actually find. And that was a song by Mitch Murray called How Do You Do It? And I was convinced this was a hit song. How do you do what you do to me? I wish I knew. If I knew Not a great piece of uh, songwriting. You know, it wasn't the most marvellous song I'd ever heard in my life, but I think thought it had that essential element which would appeal to a lot of people. And we did record it. Um, John took the lead. How do you do what you do to me? George said, well, it's a number one song. You want a number one? This is it. We said, yeah, but we cannot go back up to Liverpool singing that. We cannot be seen with that song. So we never issued How Do You Do It, but I did later give it to Jerry and the Pacemakers, and it did become number one. George Martin says, well, have you got anything you'd like to do? We said, uh, we've got a song called Please Please Me. This is one John had uh, just written. And it was kind of slow Roy Orbison kind of thing. Come on, jump, jump, come on, please, please me. Big note at the end, just like Orbison. And I'd heard Roy Orbison doing Only the Lonely or something. And I was trying to please me, that's where that came from. And also, I was always intrigued by the words of please lend your little ears to my please, being Crosby songs. I was always intrigued by the, the double use of the word please. And I said, okay, we'll give it a whirl. Let's try your song, let's see if it works. And we did. And at the end of that session, I was able to tell them, you got your first number one, great. There's a man there you know He's the host of the show And you'll find that he fucking hates choirs I always have to say the Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do
now like I please you, like I please you. I... Oh, fuck off, mate. You don't think you're enough of a prat already? Bruce Springsteen has a red-headed woman written about his wife, Patty. And here's Bruce. Ah, hey, I'll move on now to uh, one of my finest songs, one of the finest songs I ever wrote, I have to tell you. Um, that's right, it hasn't even been released here in the old US today. That's a damn shame. But uh, it's one of the great ones. It's one of the ones that I think uh, is going to really, like, add to my... Well, hell, it's a great song about a great subject, Cunnilingus, that's right. And I uh, hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. As I like to say, if, uh, if you can pronounce it, you can probably do it. That's right. But, uh, <laughs> what can I say about it? There's probably people, uh, it's a college town, right? there's probably people practicing cunnilingus out there as we speak. So, uh, I hope so. And uh, I do mean practicing because uh, you young whippersnappers, it takes a while to get that under your belt. Right? <laughs> it's like... Uh, it's like balancing a plate on the end of your nose. It's not as easy as it looks. <laughs> uh -huh. takes, uh, takes some dedication, takes uh, discipline, uh, attention to craft and detail. That's right. Takes, uh, yes, yeah. Takes uh, patience, patience, and more patience. <laughs> As I usually say. <laughs> but anyway, to not get into the whole Freudian complications of moving from one song into the other, <laughs> we'll just leave that alone, alright? <laughs> what, what can I say? Where was I? Kids out there, Canalingus is Latin for it's nice to keep your room very neat. <laughs> finish up this special episode 69 with my favourite song on the subject, a song that Dave Grohl himself has stated, that song is a little dirty, use your imagination. Let's talk about All My Life, the first song you wanted to play on the SiriusXM new uh, Foo Fighters channel. Why is that? Why is this song more important than any other song as an opener? It's always been the best opening song. 
just is. It's like the theme from Jaws. It's like like if you start doing that in front of a big arena, it's like it's this suspenseful sort of build up into this thing that just goes. All right, here it is. Foo Fighters, all my life. Here we go. Something, something never comes, never leads to nothing, nothing satisfies, but I'm getting close, closer to the prize at the end of the rope. All night long, a dream of the day, when it comes around and it's taken away, leaves me with the feeling that I feel the most, feel it come to life when I see your ghost. Clearest oral sex lines in the song. Anyway, thanks as always for listening to this small mouthful of an episode, and I shall endeavour to return soon with a new episode. Thanks again, guys. See ya. On and on, I got nothing to hide. Yes, I can hear you, Clem Fandango.